telling you, it's a real benefit to have friends that are some of the highest performers, most talented, creative, smart people in the world. It is, I'm telling you, it is a treat. But every once in a while, I get tripped out because I know that the person that's sitting across from me or at dinner, I'm at dinner with or whatever, they've got some extra special game and they're they're applying their like mental ninja stuff on me and i am like the <laughs> i am the recipient of their badassery but it comes in many forms and this is a story i'm recounting uh sitting down once with a dear friend of mine who's on the show today that's Vanessa Van Edwards now she is a i think she calls herself a behavioral investigator that is she studies the science of human behavior. And so you can imagine like, you know, going out for a drink or hanging out with a person who is like one of the best people at investigating the behaviors of people. And I'm always wondering like, are you, are you looking at me right now? Like, well, how are you, what do you see when you look at me? Um, but joking aside, my guest today is uh, an amazing woman. Um, she's the lead investigator at her company called the science of people. She has one of the top selling classes on creative live, um, about body language. She's also got a class about happiness. Um, and she is a best-selling author of the book Captivate, The Science of Succeeding with People. That book's been translated into 15 or 20 languages. Um, and she's got a really popular YouTube channel too. You should check that out. But in addition to all this stuff, um, she's also an amazing human. And I had her on the Creative Live TV platform not too long ago. And again, if you're new to that, that's creativelive.com slash TV where here in a post-COVID world, we are broadcasting live from the front rooms, couches, kitchen counters, studios, workshops of so many so many of the world's top creators and entrepreneurs, experts in our community. Um, so I'm having a conversation with her specifically about how to stay connected. Regardless of what time it is you're listening to this episode, maybe it's uh, July 2021, and all that, all that COVID stuff is long past. There's still an, an immense amount of wisdom uh, in this episode around human connection and the soft skills that we know now aren't just nice to have, but are actually the key drivers to human fulfillment, happiness, and in most cases, success. So I'm going to get out of the way and introduce you to Vanessa Van Edwards. Before we do, though, just a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, before we get into today's episode, I've got something to share. Life isn't about finding fulfillment and success. It's about creating it. To that end, I've got a new book out and it's called Creative Calling. It became an instant bestseller when it was released earlier this September. And for those of you listening to the podcast, if you dig this podcast, then this book is the perfect companion. I mean perfect because it takes the ideas we discuss here on the show and it organizes them. It takes my life of learning and studying creativity, talking to hundreds of the world's top creators in so many disciplines, and it organizes these ideas in a really clever and very practical way that I know will help you take action in pursuit of your dreams. So my ask is that you pick up a copy or two, or heck, 10. I'm not trying to be coy, but here's why. This is not about a transaction. This is about a message and a movement. You see, creativity is a force inside of every person, such that when it's unleashed, it transforms our lives and delivers vitality to everything we do. It's my belief that establishing a daily practice around creativity is therefore our most valuable and urgent task. It's as important to our well-being as exercise and nutrition. Now, I've put everything I have into this book, everything. It's been 10 years in the making. Um, just a couple words here from Richard Branson. He said, if you want to focus on creating amazing experiences, creating amazing businesses and relationships, Chase's book, Creative Calling, is an engaging guide to doing just that. Brene Brown said, Chase's experiences and his commitment to creating make him the perfect guide as we set out on our own adventures to learn how creativity has the power to change everything. Now, those reviews are just the tip of the iceberg, and you can read a couple hundred other five-star reviews on Amazon. But again, this isn't just about buying the book. It's about unleashing our most powerful force, our creativity. And I believe it's super important that as a community, we rally around ideas that we believe in. And so picking up a copy of Creative Calling, and more importantly, being a messenger for spreading this message, this is my ask of you. So 
Thanks very much. And now let's get into today's show. Miss Vanessa Van Edwards in the house. Hi, friend. How are you? Hi. I'm sending you an air hug. Can you feel it? I can feel it. I can feel it. I appreciate the levity. Are we just on with uh, the spoken word poet in queue? And we, you know, went to some real places and that was powerful and important. And now I'm hoping that we can shift gears and talk uh, a little bit more about connection and about um, what's going on with you and the science of studying people and, and how we might do a little better, a little better rather, in a world that's throwing us some curveballs at the moment. Yeah, well, the, here's the good news is once we all went remote, I was like, can we actually have connection? And I found a study. You're going to be very relieved, Chase. You're going to be very relieved that do not worry, we still produce oxytocin even through a webcam. My favorite chemical, yes. oxytocin. I, I mean, this is how awesome Vanessa is. She has it on her wall. <laughs> yes, I. And my favorite chemicals have to surround me, right? We got, we have, by the way, we should, we should totally talk about all three of these today. Yes. You know, we can't leave any of them out. Of course, because so. one will be upset if the others get airtime and they don't. 100%. Serotonin, oxytocin, dopamine. Oxytocin is the cuddle hormone. It makes us feel the warm and fuzzies. And so do not worry, friends. We are getting oxytocin right now, even through a webcam. And that was like a relief, actually, that we can still... It's just one part of staying connected, even when we're not physically connected. Awesome. So let's go a little bit uh, back to not just let's transcend our personal relationship, which is probably like almost 10 years now. Um, and I, I have enjoyed drinking wine, white wine on your deck with yourself and your husband in uh, the last time we were together physically. Um, but beyond that, to your interest in people. I'm a huge fan of your book, um, and you cover a little bit of ground there. But uh, take me back to why in the heck did you start studying people? And um, in all that studies, in all that studying, um, help us understand what we should be doing or how we can um, frame our new future. Mm -hmm. So I like to joke, as you know, that I'm a recovering awkward person. And um, I, I always felt like I would walk into rooms or... I'd go to parties or barbecues, and it was like everyone had these unspoken rules down except me. Um, and so what got me into this work originally was I thought there has to be a better way to learn people skills. And at the time, I was reading everything, you know, the, the classics, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, um, all, the, all the social intelligence books I could get my hands on. And I noticed this pattern, and I wonder, Chase, if you're going to resonate with this because you're an extrovert. So... Or maybe an ambivert. So all these books are written by extroverts. And if you're not an extrovert, so I'm an ambivert, I'm mm -hmm. like somewhere in between, I realized that it's hard for an extrovert to teach something they're natural at. And so I thought, where is the book for the people who have to learn it the slow way, the hard way? Um, and so I started learning connection that way. What is the way that we can, if you're an introvert or an awkward person, if you have social anxiety, stage fright, all those good things, what do you do with people? How do you connect with people? And that science uh, led you to write that uh, amazing book that's over your right shoulder there, Captivate, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, I have gifted it many, many times. We have two, I have two copies sitting on the shelf across the room here. And um, among other things, though, there's this, the science part, which you got into early on as a little bit of a tease. I think we should go there, too. But um, the makeup, the, the biochemical makeup that we have and how that translates into feelings and performance, if you will, because whether we know it or not, uh, we're at a cocktail party, we're on stage or we're on a first date. Um, we're presenting and we want to obviously provide, uh, present a, um, a, a certain way, but honestly an authentic and natural way. So, um, across you know, all the stuff you've been studying, help us, uh, navigate all this stuff that I'm just, these words I'm just saying right now, <laughs> you're saying <laughs> no, no, words. I, I, you're right. You're right. Your, your words are right. Actually, it brings me to interest, something interesting I've been thinking about a lot now. So one thing that I like to think about is what are the chemicals behind our interactions, literally behind our interactions. I like my sound effects. Um, so what we have to think about is that right now in a time like this, 
which is very challenging, which uh, produces a lot of anxiety. The emotions, the chemicals that are running through our body on a daily basis are adrenaline and cortisol, right? We're getting up every morning and we don't know what the world has in store for us. And that immediately sets us up on a, a different kind of chemistry than a normal workday. So we have adrenaline, we have cortisol. And so what we have to do, and what I've been thinking about a lot, is how do we cultivate calm and connection during a time that's very filled with anxiety when we cannot control what's coming in? And I think what it comes down to um, is something called a locus of control. So this is, I found this concept really helpful, and I'll share it with you. Maybe you'll find it helpful too. There is this concept that the more control we have over our lives, the happier and more satisfied we feel. And there are two different kinds of people. So as you're listening, try to think which one you are. The first group of people have an external locus of control. So their feelings of satisfaction, happiness, connectedness come from outside factors like um, the news, their bank account numbers, how many people text them that day, how many people smile at them that day. If they get positive emails, positive feedback from their boss, those are all compliments from people, likes on Instagram. Those are all external things. And that means that their internal sense of well-being is very triggered by outside things. The problem is when you have an external locus of control, if something goes wrong or you don't get enough positive inputs, you feel like, what's the point? Why even try? I, I can't control it. Well, I can't do anything anyway, so I might as well stop. When you have an internal locus of control, and by the way, I speak from a very personal place, I have an external locus of control. And so this experience has made me begin to try to turn inward and figure out what are my internal triggers that help me feel satisfied and in control and happy and connected. So people with a high internal locus of control, they're able to self-regulate. They are able to get in touch with themselves, stay grounded, stay present, remind themselves of the future, remind themselves of the past. They use nostalgia and power and awe and capability and productivity to regulate their internal state. That is not me. I speak about them aspirationally. I am trying to learn from people who have this internal locus of control because they are the people who can feel the adrenaline and cortisol at the beginning of the day, just like everyone else with the news. But then they, it's like they have these internal gears that they literally counterbalance with the three, my three favorite chemicals, serotonin, dopamine, and oxytocin. And the way they do this is serotonin is the sense of belonging. And by the way, this is a little simplified, but it gets the idea. Serotonin is a sense of belonging. It literally is the feeling of calm. Dopamine is the experience of pleasure and excitement and thrill, which is very hard to get at a time like this, but you can get it. And the last one is oxytocin, our sense of connectedness, our sense of being accepted. And so my goal today, Chase, if, if you're willing to go there, is to talk about how do we all develop our internal locus of control so that we can put our emotions and our happiness back in our hands in a very uncontrollable world. I am not only am I willing to go there with you, I am de desperate to go there with you. And as a um, as an external uh, a person with an external locus of control myself, um, we're in this together. And it's one of the reasons. And thank you for saying yes so quickly when uh, I knew that we were going to go live with um, what we've been ha have had in beta here for five or six days. Um, you were like must have and. Um, it was my belief that you could make me feel 20% better, maybe more, um, but also that uh, there's so many people who've been writing and I've been doing, you know, the limited ability that, that we can here at Creative Live by putting classes like yours out in front of them um, and by trying to provide a little bit of, uh, of connection and community. But I know that there's deeper personal work that's required in a time like this. And um, and so, again, not only am I willing to go there, but I'm begging you to take me there with you now. Okay. So I full disclosure, by the way, sure. this is relatively new science to me even. So as you know, I talk about body language and relationships and reading people and communication and happiness. I have a happiness course in Creative Live. But this experience that we're all going through now is brand new. I've never really talked about it on a podcast before, so I'm super excited. Um, but 
it's also, I think, a learning process. And actually, that's that's the first thing, which is there's this incredible research that um, so when when this all began to happen a couple of weeks ago, I, of course, went to the research and I started looking through my database of studies of like, what does it say about not pandemic necessarily, but about you know, anxiety and dread and fear and um, sudden changes of environment. And the very, very first thing I came upon, and it was like a light bulb moment, was the really powerful research around shared rituals. So shared rituals are really important of our connect, important part of our connection, which I've actually never taught before, and I'm excited to teach it now. So the research says that shared rituals are one of the fastest ways to have group identity, to have calm and predictability in an uncertain time, and to have lots of oxytocin and serotonin, where you everyone in a group does something together. And so the first thing that I wanted to talk about, something that I'm doing a lot in my life, is how can you add just a few shared rituals to your life? And I'm, I have a couple suggestions, and maybe Chase, you've already started doing this or you've been thinking about it. So the first one is uh, learning together. Is there someone in your group, in your life, in your family, a partner, a friend, a friend from camp who wants to learn the same thing as you? It's a kind of a weird question, but it's actually easier than I'm just going to video call someone random. So a lot of my introverted students are like, I really want to reach out to people, but I have no idea what to say to them. So I want you to think about, is there someone who said, oh, I, I'm dying to read that book, book club. You know what? I've always wanted to learn how to speak Spanish. Spanish speaking hour together. You know, I've always wanted to learn about the healthcare system. Now's the time. You know, I've always wanted to take an online course on happiness. Great, now's the time. I would think about who is a learning partner that you can have in your life. That is one of the fastest ways to create a shared ritual and serotonin. Are you doing anything like that now, Chase? Uh, well, I think the you know the learning platform that Creative Live is when we realized that oh my goodness, we might be in a position to really help a lot of people here. Um, I started taking our classes specifically around the health and wellness ones um, because, you know, I'm a meditator and have been for six or seven years, but, you know, mindfulness practice, uh, yoga, I had gotten out of yoga and really over-indexed on cross-training and lifting heavy weights, and I don't have access to those anymore. So, um you know, my wife, Kate, and I, who you know, um, Kate is a mindfulness teacher herself. So we started, um, I started asking her to teach me in real time um, as she's take, teaching these classes as well online, but how to teach that stuff to me. Um, the same is true with exercise. We started doing, um, we, I have a trainer, Beth, that I see a couple times a week when I'm in Seattle. And um, we started taking those classes together, Kate and I, through virtual interface with Beth, our trainer. And um, even those two things, just learning those sort of a little bit more about the internal stuff and um, training together was a huge lift. And it provided just a base level of um, connection, awareness, honestly, a little bit of routine, too. Um, and so long, longer answer than you asked for, but yes. And I found yeah. tremendous, I didn't know why I didn't know the science, but it helped me, you know, figure out something to do instead of feeling like a fish out of water. So this is exactly it. So here's my first challenge for anyone who's watching is one, create a ritual for yourself. And we can talk about a couple different rituals that you can do, create some kind of ritual for yourself. And we, you should ritualize it as much as possible. So if it's, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you're doing yoga. And Tuesday, Thursday, you're doing meditation. That's for you. That actually is a very, very small way that we create an internal locus of control. It's not just like a nice thing to do. It's actually imperative for turning up that dial. The second challenge, and this is harder for my introverts and ambiverts, is to pick one person or a small group of people, if you're brave enough, and create a shared ritual. A couple of crazy ideas. Learning together. Netflix party, virtual happy hour, virtual cooking party, which I just learned from John, who I was just on talking to, virtual cooking party, um, reading a book together. Um, and then the, the, the second portion of this, the bonus challenge, is can you create a shared ritual or a ritual for yourself that you do for others? Mm. So not just with others, but for others. And this is the second piece here. And 
I try not to get emotional when I talk about it, but it's been really hard the last few weeks. Very, very stressful. I have, I'm having a really hard time sleeping, a hard time quieting my mind. And I think that the only thing that's gotten me through it is seeing how kind people have been, seeing the amazing courage of our healthcare workers, seeing people who are making, sewing masks in their home and dropping off care packages to the elderly. That is what's keeping me going. With that, I say the next sort of piece of this internal locus of control is to be a kindness warrior. I do think Mm. we have to call it a warrior because it is hard to stand up and be kind and be courageous in the face of panic. It, you have to fight for it. You know, you have to dig deep to be like, I'm not going to succumb to hoarding. I'm not going to succumb to being scared and staying in my bed all day. I'm actually going to be kind. We have to fight for it. And so that's the next piece is there was a research study done by Dr. Martin Seligman. And he's like one of my favorite researchers. And what he did is he took a group of students and one group of one part of this group had to do one nice thing for themselves. So a nice treat for themselves. The other part of the group was asked to do something nice for someone else. Both groups had a momentary burst of dopamine. They had a momentary burst of pleasure and happiness and excitement. But the altruistic group had pleasure all day long. They actually were happier the entire day. And so I bring this up because I think that, yes, I want you to have self-care. I want you to have rituals for yourself. But actually doing something for someone else is the best way to not only help yourself, but help someone else. Physically speaking, it is the fastest way to creating pleasure and happiness and satisfaction. And I think it is our most powerful tool against panic. Wow. Wow. Well, let's try and identify then a handful of things. You did a great job with learning together with the Netflix party, cooking parties, book clubs, all that stuff. Let's do the same thing for a way to help others. You, you listed a couple just making masks, for example. Um, I yep. was also so touched by so many acts of bravery and kindness, even the most basic one, which I have observed since uh, I was aware of it at 8 p.m. in your time zone, going out and cheering for all the healthcare workers who are on the front lines. You know, you hear um, in, in areas where there's more density in some of the big cities, it's like a, just, it's just a thunderous applause for the people who are on the front lines. And if we can, you know, that's a little teeny, teeny thing. I don't know if you'd qualify that as doing something for others, but it's, it is an, uh, a, a way of going beyond, you know, yourself. So what are some other examples? Yeah. So, um, yes, absolutely. Applauding people. Um, also, going on LinkedIn and writing recommendations for everyone you ever worked with. I know that's crazy, but we have to recession-proof right now. People are losing their jobs. One of the nicest things you can do for someone is writing a beautiful, heartfelt recommendation for their LinkedIn. Do you know how happy that would make someone who's like, oh, I got to beef my resume. So writing recommendations on LinkedIn. Um, I would go through your photos. This is actually another um, self-care one. So I love... My goal is to create rituals that are both self-care and other care. So this one's first is um, harness some nostalgia, which is really good for serotonin. Nostalgia is like the most underutilized, positive, happy-making emotion because you're literally borrowing happiness from the past. So it's like the most easy, easy. It's like the cheapest satisfaction. So go through all your photos and organize albums by themes, by age, and then print up postcards of your favorite photos and send them to people in your life. Whoa. Believe me, that will make them so happy. Wow. So, so happy. I, I can only imagine if I got some of those from friends right now, that would bring me so much joy. And you get the benefit the way, of like, yes. oh man, I love it. Okay, so go through your photos, go through nostalgia, like milk that, like milk it, right? Like go through your photos, go through I'm your taking notes. Photos. This doesn't bother you if I take notes while we're doing this, does I, it? Okay. I love it. Okay. I hope everyone's taking notes. I take notes. Everyone take notes. So, so go through your old photo albums and, and organize them. Scan old photos. This is the perfect time to do that. And think of it not as a task, but literally nostalgia harnessing. You are literally, I want you to take a picture of like yourself in little mini bike shorts in camp with mosquito bites all over your legs and be like, man, remember the corn on the cob at that camp? <laughs> mm. 
like, like borrow those, those memories can give and give and give. So make the postcards for other people. Another idea. Remember Chase, I don't know if you, I don't, I don't, I don't know quite how old you are, but remember in elementary school or high school, depending on how old you are, <laughs> when you made or got mixtapes. Oh, of course. People? Oh, of course. Heck yeah. I like, loved making mistakes for people. Oh, it was amazing. Oh and God. receiving them, like the people who gave them, what we really wanted was to receive them, right? That's our love language. Yeah. yeah totally. uh, of course. I remember that fondly. Me, like, I made a mixtape for every one of my crushes. Like I still think I could probably tell you the songs on my crushes playlist, which is nice. horribly embarrassing. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Most, pop, <laughs> most popular. Wait, let's do it. Most popular song that you think was on those playlists? Peaches and cream. Oh, you just, you pulled that from back way back and you just slam dunked that ball. That was so good. Oh my God. So embarrassing. Amazing. Well, let's not read too much into it. Let's okay. not read too much into it. No, okay. So mixtapes. So mixtapes. Here's what you want to do. Go make a bunch of playlists for yourself. And by the way, there's some really great uh, science on music and productivity. They actually found that you want different kinds of music for different kinds of tasks. Specifically, pre-tasks, during task, and post-task. They actually found that there are three different types of productivity oh. that your brain uses. So go on, make some pre-task music, like your ramp-up music, right? Then make like your during-task music. Like for example, I really like French rap for my during-task time Ooh. because I, I don't listen to the words. MC Solar, you can't hear it. He just sounds like Yeah. Keep going. That's all I got. That's all I got. I got you're like no more. That's right. Yeah. I just I just said all the French words I know, <laughs> and it wasn't even French. Um, I think that's so, fascinating. So pre, during, and post. Okay. Right. Yeah. And like and so and, and then you can do them for meditation. You can do them for walks. You can do them, and that's a great self care exercise. It's a wonderful way to. Music is so good for producing dopamine and serotonin, and then I want you to make playlists for some of your closest friends family, mom, dad, make them a playlist just like a mixtape and put all the songs together, send it to them. They will be so thrilled. Oh. It's like the greatest little piece of kindness that you can do. And and it's joyful to put that together. It doesn't feel like, to me at least, curating music doesn't feel like work. It feels like, oh man, this person's going to love this when I send it to them. Yes, exactly. And the cool thing about it is these tasks are very, I like to be secretly purposeful, right? Like there's a secret reason I'm assigning you these challenges is that's when people always tell me, you know, be present, <laughs> be in the moment. I can't tell you how many people are like meditate. I wish I could meditate. I just cannot get there. I think it's my neurotic brain. <laughs> Music is the closest way I can get there. One of the closest ways you can get to meditating or being in the moment, if that's hard for you, is music because you're literally in the moment channeling a song. How does it make me feel? Who would enjoy the song? What does it remind me of? What kind of task is it? That's my form of meditation. So this is also a secret, really powerful self-care ritual that's really easy to do. Um, I also have one more thing that I wanted to share that's personal, but I'm, I'm going to share it because I, I hope people will benefit. So I mentioned that I'm having a really hard time sleeping. Like, oh, I just go to bed at night and it's like, I just lay there and I think through my to-do list and like what could happen and I get all worked up. And so um, I found what's called the positive impact test. It was created by Tom Rath and I shortened it into just three questions. And I found that if I do this before bed, it really helps ground me and it helps me fall asleep. So I wanted to share it with you. The so I'm positive, just going to read what it Please, the positive impact test. Remember, I'm taking notes here, so sorry to interrupt. Keep going. I love it. Okay, so this is the three questions I ask myself every night before bed. And it, I think it changes the way that my thoughts go as opposed, instead of going to worry, it goes to something more proactive. So this is the three things I ask myself before bed. Have I helped someone in the last 24 hours? Have I praised someone in the last 24 hours? In the last 24 hours, have I told someone that I cared about them? In the last 24 hours. And why, why, the, why the time limit? Just because that it's, it makes it a, a practice rather than a, 
you know, some nostalgic. I know you were talking about the power of nostalgia earlier, but this is in order to make sure that you're doing good. It's actually because um, when we think about when I think about my day, I don't know about you, but my days are going slow. (laughs) You know, we're spending a lot of time at home and our days are different. And so it actually helps me feel like my days are more purposeful. In the first two or three weeks of social distancing, I wasn't doing this. And it felt like I was I was like in this time vortex and my life was passing me by. And so this actually helps me really feel like I'm using the days. Mm-hmm. Um, and this weird thing happens. I don't know if anyone is experiencing this, but I've been thinking about staying connected while social distancing. And at the very same time, you have everyone around the world who is isolating. But at the very same time, you have complete opposite feelings. You have some people who live alone, who are forced into increased, incredible amounts of loneliness without any kind of human connection or physical touch, extreme loneliness. On the other hand, you have people who are working parents who are literally at home all the time and never get alone time at all anymore. And so at the very end of the spectrum, you have people going through complete opposite needs, extreme loneliness and not having any alone time. And so when I think about some of these daily rituals or daily practices, my goal is to help both of those people that if you're incredibly lonely, going through these three questions can remind you that you do have connection. Even just thinking about helping someone produces oxytocin, even just thinking about it. And then on the other side, if you're spending all your time with people, I mean, all your time with people, you need to remind yourself that that's doing good, that you've been helping your baby or you helped your partner. I have a 20 month old daughter. My husband and I are spending a lot of time together. So this this test also reminds me, right, I got to spend wonderful time with my daughter and that helped her. Right. I got to spend a wonderful time with my husband that helped him. I praised him, whatever that may be. And so it's a reminder for both of those people that we can hold on to something that's good. What's going on for us? Uh, One of our earlier guests today, NQ, the spoken word poet and uh, national slam poetry champion, was talking about how he saw so much beauty in all of the imperfections because we do get to, you know, now we are, um, you know, we have... Um, I have colleagues at work that I have, have, you know, several, sometimes two or more kids at home and, you know, they, you can't, you know, there's a a part of it that is, it's almost sort of joyful when a four-year-old runs into the Zoom call or, you know, it's like, it's sort of like it's peeled back this layer of humanity and, you know, what's going on there, but, you know, chemically, like I, I see that and I'm not, I'm not a father. I am what I call a funkle. I'm a fun uncle. I'm an uncle to a lot of my friends' <laughs> kids. And I just, I still find so much joy. And it's, it's almost like yeah, it's yeah. created a world where we're, you know, more aware that there are lives at home beyond work. Or I just was wondering if in your science of people brain, like what, what's, what's going on there? And is it related to these chemicals that we're talking about and or these daily practices? How should we think about that? Yeah, so what's really interesting is, because we're all at home, A, we're having one giant global shared ritual, right? Like at the Mm. very same time, we're all like, wow, I'm spending a lot of time at home. I miss social interaction. Extroverts are having their experience. Introverts are having experience. That's a global shared ritual, which is amazing. The second thing that's happening is also reciprocity and vulnerability. So if we get on a, a Skype call or if I'm talking to my team and I'm doing a ton of corporate trainings right now on virtual communication, what we're facing is we get on a call and one of two things happens. The first is what I call video awkwardness. So you get on a video call, this happens to you, and you're like, hi, oh, <clears throat> hi, hi, oh, my video is on, hi, hello. <laughs> Is everyone on? <laughs> and there's like this first few minutes. It's almost time. like you're you're like, I don't know. It's like this is theater. It's the performance is so good. It's so real. <laughs> totally. Yes. Yes. It's like. And so anyway, you have this like horrible awkwardness or you're on a conference call and it's like, hello. Yep. This is Vanessa. Yep. No, go ahead. You, you go. You go. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, you go. You go. It's horrible. 
it's like this horrible shared hazing ritual that we're all going through. So um, the reason why this I bring this up, oh, so that's the first thing that can happen mm. is like this kind of awkwardness. The second thing that can happen is you dive right into it and you're deep. Like it's, you know, you dive right into it. And I've done these trainings where someone just found out that their father's in the hospital. Someone just found out that they've tested positive. Someone just found out that, right? So and you go right into it and it's deep and it's dark and then you're supposed to be productive. Right. You know, and so what I would challenge everyone to think about, and I'm, I'm talking a lot about this for remote teams, is setting up boundaries around the vulnerability. We are now a couple weeks into COVID-19, and some people really want to talk to talk about it, and some people really don't. And so what I would say is there's a couple of things that with your team, with your family, you should begin to set boundaries around. One of them is how often the news is on and when you should get your news. So for example, it, my husband likes to have the news on all the time. That actually makes him feel calmer. He likes to see the ticket, the stock numbers. He likes, he's a data head. So he likes to see everything coming through. It makes him feel more in control. For me, that really makes me anxious. And so having the TV on in the background, in the living room was just, was excruciating for me. So now he has it in his office, just on his little screen. I don't see it. We don't have it on in the living room. So you need to figure out in your family, in your day-to-day practice, going on a news diet. When are you going to watch the news? Is it in the morning once? Is it during your lunchtime? Is it checking it once at the end of the day first? And then second, when do you want to talk about that with your family or your team? Do you want to open calls with it? I've decided on my team calls that we don't want to open up with that. So we've decided that we're opening all of our team calls with a shared ritual. I highly encourage you to do it. It's called Tell Me Something Good. So basically at the beginning of every call, we share something good. It can be anything. It can be small, like the sun is out. It can be big, like I finished a project. My daughter just learned how to ride a bike. Whatever it is, it changes the nature of the conversation. So what I would say is I love the vulnerability. I love that we're all opening our homes and sharing really hard things. However, we are eventually going to get vulnerable burned out. We're going to get burnt out on vulnerability. And so now while we can, let's set up rituals around the news that is coming in and when we can have those discussions. I think that is like, I'm just reflecting on my past two weeks and what I observe both as a participant in a company and as a leader that there are you know, people are on a roller coaster each to his or her own. And sometimes those roller coasters are going in different directions for different people on the calls. And it's understandable. I mean, you can argue the same thing is true in, um, in the, you know, a physical space, uh, is, is this shared ritual? If you're, um, getting together on Skype or zoom or whatever with your coworkers, is this something like, Seems like in order for it to be successful, you'd need to make it really overt as uh, like, this is how we're going to start every meeting. Um, What's the, how do you balance Mm. those things by your both, how do you hold the space to both be, acknowledge the crazy time and um, feel like you can move forward without being disrespectful to the fact that, you know, whether it's the flag at half mast or the people who are in your community who are suffering right now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think that the very first thing is um, to formalize it. So um, most of the time, at the beginning of a video call or a meeting, you lose on average the first four minutes to niceties, logistics, people getting on the call, everyone logging in. And that's a really big waste of time. If you're doing video calls all day, every day, that can add up to an hour. So the first thing is, instead of making that time half vulnerability, like it's never, this has happening all the time. The first four minutes of the call, if someone's talking about something really difficult and bad, and then you have someone pop in, doo-doo, oh, what did I miss? Oh, you know, Sarah's dad's in the hospital. Oh, no, boo-boo, what did I miss? Oh, we were just saying that Sarah's dad is, it's actually the worst way to make someone who's on the down part feel better. So take that four minutes and formalize that our warm-up, whoever's on the call first, you pop into chat or you say, you talk about something good. It's just a a very easy way to not waste those four minutes. Mm. And then you set aside, and I really do encourage this, especially on on virtual teams or families, totally separate time 
around a shared ritual that is just about bonding and connecting. That's actually where I want you to do your learning. And this works really well for professional teams. So you have one lunch every Friday where you all watch a TED talk together, or you all talk about an article that you sent out, or you just all bond, or it's kids lunch, or it's partners lunch, it's catch up lunch. So my team does it on Monday. So Monday we talk about anything that we did this weekend and anything personal happening in our lives. It's kind of the catch up day. I found a lot of success with that um, just because it it takes back time that was taken from us. Um, and then the other thing I would encourage you to ritualize is um, there are 10 amazing conversation starters that I highly recommend you use with your teams, with your family. Do these 10 conversation starters once a day for the next 10 days or 10 work days if they're with your team. They're really, really good ways to get to know each other in a more formal way. Introverts are going to have a really hard time with, how's it going? How's your weekend? So we have to honor them by giving them some something to talk about in a little bit more way that they can prepare. So I just, um, I put it on my blog. I can also read them to us now. Yeah, if you want. Please, please. I was just going to say, okay, you I'm know, gonna... I'm taking notes, so. Okay, I'm going to pull them up. Okay, so here are my favorite 10. By the way, I have 36 deep conversation starters on my blog that were created by researcher Arthur Aaron. Have you ever heard of that study, Chase? No, I haven't. But I'm like, I'm again, I'm here to take notes and learn. This is like oh valuable God. stuff here. Okay, so researcher Arthur Aaron wanted to know if you could develop conversation starters to fall in love. Specifically, there are three different levels of intimacy. And I talk about this, I think, in my Master Your People Skills course. So when you're with someone, you want to, you're trying to climb up these levels of intimacy, whether they're a romantic partner or a best friend or a longtime business partner. The higher you are in the intimacy level, the more trust, the more camaraderie, the more oxytocin that's flowing. So he developed these 36 questions to go through all levels of intimacy. Um, if you have a very personal team, sure, do them with your personal team. But I also really like, I picked my favorite 10 that I think are um, a good place to start. So here are my favorite 10, which I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm encouraging all my students, all my readers to ask one of these every day and let me know how it goes. So please, please ask these. Okay, with someone, uh, you can do these over text too. Going for it, I'm in, sign okay. me up. What are these with Kate? Okay, you promised you yes. to do them with Kate? No, no, I'm in, I'm in. I'll probably okay. take a picture of my notes and send it to her. Okay, number one, what's one thing you've always wanted to try but never have. Why haven't you done it yet? I love this question because it taps at hidden desires, secret wishes, um, things that we don't always get the opportunity to talk about. Every single time I discover something new about people when I ask this question, every single time. Whoa. Yeah, I can see that as just like a pathway to um, personal secrets right there. Do you feel you know, like... It's funny. Yeah, do you feel like that... Um, yeah. Oh, it's good one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> These are so good. It's funny, by the way, people answer that two ways. I've asked that to a couple different people. People either get really deep and you have a great conversation or very personal and like X-rated and you're like, oops, like, I don't know why, I don't know why we went there. So that either <laughs> happens or someone does something super silly like skydiving or bungee jumping or something like that or cliff diving or something like that. So you, you'll see, you'll learn a lot about a person, which way they go. Okay. Great. Next Thank one you. is, what has been the highlight of your year so far? Now, I picked this one on purpose, and that is because at a time like this, we need to harness the good. I know we're only in April, but we have to harness what was good. And so it's a way to sort of um, gather a gratitude and appreciation. That's what that one's for. That's a good one. Okay, you ready for the next one? Yep. What book... TV or movie character do you most relate to? And this is a really, um, this is how you have to do this one right because what makes this one powerful is you're actually getting at someone's self-narrative. Um, self-narrative is a really powerful way that we think about ourselves. Our self-narrative is the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. So I'm obsessed with this. I talk about it in Captivate. What are people I was just going to say, that, this is very familiar. <laughs> I yeah, love it. Yes. And I, and I just love it because sometimes you have people who are like, I'm a fighter or I'm a victim or I'm a savior or I'm an empath. You have, I'm a teacher. You have all different kinds of self-narratives and it tells you a lot about the person. So when they pick a character, 
you'll be shocked at what you learn about the person. Like, for example, I was so surprised. I asked this recently of one of my closest friends, and she said uh, Katniss Everdeen from The Hunger Games. And, like, she, I, I was floored because she's, she's a stay-at-home mom. She crafts. And I was like, really, Katniss Everdeen, why? And she said, I think I'm a fighter. I think, you know, every day is about survival. For me, it's, and this was, by the way, before the pandemic, and it made me realize that her life is very different than I thought it was. And so I had a lot of really deep, amazing conversation with her about it. So that one's really great because you hear people's story about themselves. Okay, let's do two more. And then um, you can start with these. So if I give you too many, I know you won't do any of them. So no, give you two no. More. Okay. Okay. Fourth is, what is your biggest regret? So this is the this is the most the deepest one on this list, um, and it's really important because um, it's also a self narrative question. And a lot of the times, it's about learning. You'd be surprised how many people say, "I wish I had learned this," "I wish I had done this," and there is still time, friends. Yeah, like for a, this, you could actually do it right now. For example, I've, I asked this recently of a friend and she said, you know, I always wish that I kept in touch with my camp friends. I was like, you know, what time is a good time to call your camp friends right now? Friend? Right now, friend. Right now. That's right. Here's the phone. <laughs> right now. FaceTime. Every, <laughs> yes. In FaceTime, video call them. And so you, I'm hope my hope with that question is that maybe you could do something together to remedy it. Okay, last one, and you can look at all, they're all okay. on the website, so you can just look at them, is um, Chase, you'll remember this one because I asked this one at a group dinner we were at. I don't, I, I don't know if you remember when I asked this question, but the whole table got really silent, and then everyone was, like, super excited. <laughs> it was, you remember? It I was, do. what do you daydream about? Oof. I know. <laughs> so good. I think our table got X-rated, and some people were very, very uh, positive. I think we had all kinds of answers. Yeah, it's crazy. They're just like this. Poof! It just it splits in so many different directions. I love that question. I remember that dinner fondly. That was amazing. So what's so those five questions? Hopefully, you, you can do all ten. Yeah, you've got what ten. What's one? what's the best way for people to find the others? Because I want to direct them to many of your vast resources and also remind them of your your classes, uh, mastering people skills, which is a phenomenal course on Creative Live, and I'm constantly recommending it. Uh, you've also got one on happiness, uh, but with respect to these, this list of ten, you've given us five. Where would we send people? So all of them are at sciencepeople.com, and you'll see that uh, the last five blog posts that I've written are all for social distancing. So it's like 15 ideas to stay sane, how to have remote culture. They're all up there for you. Basically, I threw away my entire content calendar, and my team and I have just been like pedal the metal writing only articles that we think are really helping people right now. So um, all of them are up there, and this one I think is the fourth or fifth one on there. Amazing. Amazing. Scienceofpeople.com, most recent five blog posts for those of you who are wondering. Um, and let's, uh, let's shift gears for just a second because those, those are so, so, so tactical. I want to go back to 30,000 foot and say, I want to, I, I teased this question a second ago, but I really want to understand the psychology that you would um, help us understand. Like, how do we both be you know, present with the, the very real struggles that are happening right now. I mean, 3.3 million people lost their jobs over the course of the last week. Mm. I know a friend who fired 5,700 people the other day. Um, uh. Like, these are real things. And yet, mm. we need optimism and positivity and connection. And we need these things now more than ever before. And I'm... Mm. You know, as a leader um, and as a very public person, I'm I'm struggling to keep these balance. Like, I feel like I have to like put a put everything in a bubble and qualify everything. Like, it's first, the most important thing is you're safe, and if you're safe, then we can celebrate. This is a great opportunity to learn. But I feel like I'm just using my words. So, a, what's the psychology behind this, and is it okay for us to be confused? And then, you know, what would you recommend for those of us who want to be able to acknowledge this and stay positive and be a beacon of light for those who might be less fortunate? Yeah, I think the very first thing is we have to acknowledge how confusing, complicated and challenging it is. So um, researcher Michael Lieberman at UCLA 
um, researchers how emotions are in the brain. And he has found that the moment you label an emotion, it actually helps deactivate it. So if someone is feeling pain or regret, regret or fear or anxiety, the best thing that you can do, the way that we can simplify confusion or get any kind of clarity and confusion is to actually name the emotion. And this means not always being a perpetual cheerleader, right? So I'm a very optimistic person. I like to cheerlead my team. As a leader, right, I want to make everyone feel okay. I want to make all my readers feel okay. But sometimes cheerleading is actually the opposite of naming the emotion. If someone comes on a call or someone talks to you or someone texts you and you can see that the emotion is dread or worry or fear, the best thing you can do is actually be very present and help them find the exact word for that emotion, right? Mm -hmm. so, so I'm so, I'm so sorry. This must be so challenging, so difficult. Tell me about it. Tell me what's happening. Tell me what's going through your head. Tell me what you're feeling. And you'll know, you'll know when someone hits the word. Like, it, it sounds like this. I just been, it's been so hard and I'm just, I'm so scared and I'm really worried about, you know, making ends meet. I'm worried about the mortgage payment. I think I just feel hopeless. Yeah, just, just hopeless. That's when they hit the word. So usually they repeat the word. Usually it comes with a deep breath. And usually that's when you can literally see their brain be like, okay, I got it. I got the emotion. And then you have a choice. And this depends on your relationship with the person. Like as a boss, my reaction to my employees when they feel that is different than my husband or my sisters or my mom or my best friend. And so you can go into that emotion and, and be as proactive as possible. What can I do? Can I do anything to fix it? Can I make you feel better? Do you want to talk about it? Do you not want to talk about it? That's great. You can go into proactive, depending on your relationship with them, what you think that they need. The other thing that you can do is give them space. And for some people, that is how they process difficult emotions. Some people, especially introverts, they like to process alone. They, they do not want to talk about it. <laughs> they do yeah. not want to go into it farther, right? And so that's when you can say, listen, I'm here for you. If you want to reschedule this call, reschedule this meeting, you know, if you want to go take some time to yourself, I got the kids, I got the baby, you go take some me time, I'll be here for you when you're ready. So you have those two options at your disposal, and both of them are very compassionate and very authentic. That's that, the, that blend of, you know, authenticity, compassion, connection that you want to cultivate. And I feel like the, this polarity of like talking about it 24 seven is, you know, dangerous and, you know, maybe cultivates uh, negative emotions and then, you know, sugarcoating a very tough situation has the opposite effect. So um, mm -hmm. that's a thank you very much for helping us navigate that. Now, um, mm -hmm. you, you, you mentioned finding the word. It seems like that mm -hmm. would be helpful, not just in the negative side of the uh, human, you know, psychology and, and body chemistry, mm -hmm. Is, am I just projecting that or can do you, what's a good way to capture the positive? You're so right. Yeah. Help me understand that too. Well, you might, you might, I don't know. You might actually remember this from um, a happiness course. So one of the pillars here is actually exactly what you just said. It's called capitalization. So capitalization yes. is just like, yes, there's a thing. There's a thing. Yes. <laughs> Um, so this is called capitalization. It's a beautiful psychological, psychological, um, uh, phenomenon that happens. So what it is, is that when someone has a positive emotion, they share the emotion and you can either be neutral. You can lowercase it. By the way, th these two pieces are my, my extra framework. You can lowercase it, which is like, oh, that's not a big deal. Or that's nice. Right. That's like putting like a wet blanket on top of the good emotion, or you can capitalize it. They found that when you capitalize a positive emotion, A, it makes the original person feel even better about that positive emotion. So if they were happier, they become even happier. And B, it makes a shared experience between the two of you feel better. And then C, it makes them feel better about you. So one of the best things we can do is celebrate the small wins. And that is exactly right by naming the word. Oh, that's such great news. How exciting, how wonderful, how kind, how powerful. We've been so efficient today. We've been so productive in this meeting. Thank you everyone for showing up full force. Those are all great capitalization words. And 
like what a powerful vehicle that can be as a leader without it's sort of like I'm I'm struck by the um what is it uh stand up not stand up comedy um improv where it's yes and like I love the yes. yeah it's, I love the ability that if you can lean into that concept and no one feels rejected and everyone it's it's a, a way to build inclusivity um connection shared experience all those things that we're craving are we truly craving them now more than ever? It feels like it. Is it, am I just like projecting or? I think it depends on the day, right? Like I, I think about just like my, my past week, there have been some days this week where I have wanted to be hugged so bad I could taste it. And all I wanted to do was just find my husband and cuddle up. And I can remember other days where I was like, don't touch me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, like I like, so I think, I think it's, both. It's like the extreme of both, right? We, and that's okay. Like that is totally okay. Like that's part of the confusing time and we have to have grace for each other. I'm working on a post right now. It's not up yet, but it will be up soon. And it's called, so suddenly you're on a couple's retreat, right? Like (laughs) whether you wanted to or not, (laughs) Whether you wanted to or not, you were in a couple's retreat in the hunger games. Challenges include things like who gets the last toilet paper, and who has to go to the grocery store this time? And who gets the better workspace? Like, we're in, like, this crazy couples retreat, forced challenges. And that means you're going to have good days and bad days. And I think that recognizing that and accepting that is actually really important. And being able to say to your partner, it's one of those hard days. It's just, like, one of those hard days. And they can go, I got you. I got you. I'm gonna just going to, like, go in my corner, and the whole place is yours. The whole place is yours. Or you get to choose what we take out for dinner tonight. That's all you tonight, right? Like we have to be able to say those things to our partners, especially, but anyone in our life. What about reaching out to others? I know you, you said early on in our conversation that sometimes that can just be a mask and it's not necessarily the only thing you should be doing, but there are people who are uh, disproportionately uh, affected. They have someone that is in need of care or uh, is struggling. Um, Is there any, um, psychology or can you give us any tips about how to, how to solve for that? Yeah. So this goes right back to that internal locus of control. So if you've suddenly been put in a situation where you're caring for two children under the age of five, or all of a sudden your kids are home all day and you are not ready for it, or you have multiple family members and multiple generations living in a home, um, and those things are all happening now, The thing that will keep you sane is building your locus of control. And this means adding routines to your life. And I won't even say unnecessary routines, but adding as many routines to your life as you can. We're going to go through the day. Are you ready? Ready. Morning slash wake up routine. What is the new morning wake up routine that sets you up for success? Feeding routines. Can you systemize the meals in your home? With everything from grocery ordering to Taco Tuesday to we make bread on Wednesday to we use frizz, fridge on uh, freezer on Thursday, every single decision that you take out of the day actually brings small elements of control back to your life. I don't know about any moms that are listening. I get incredible anxiety when I think about preparing all the meals all day, making sure I have all the food, the fridge is stocked, the pantry is stocked, the freezer is stocked. That's all me. That's my realm. That feels like a lot, right? So I have systematized as much as I can, taking away those decisions. Mm -mm, They're out of my head. So like we learned that a sandwich shop down the road from us is doing BOGO, buy one, get one free, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Guess what we're doing Monday and Wednesday? BOGO sandwiches. Done. I don't (laughs) got to think about dinner Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right? And guess what? We get two per person, which means it's dinner and it's lunch. Done done. That's right. Or like, I, I know that like every Friday night we grill. That's what we're doing. We're grilling. It's my husband's favorite thing to do. I, we, we grill pizzas. So it's really easy. I can freeze the dough. I pull out the pepperoni from the freezer. I don't have to get any fresh food for it. So that's very tactical, but it actually, it helps take out all those baby anxious decisions. Like I'm just trying to pluck them out. So, um, food routines, Start day, end day. 
This is really important. If you are trying to work from home or someone in your house is trying to work from home, I want you to have a routine in your house that is the starting routine and the ending routine. Even if it's as small as, okay, now I close the curtains, I close the door, I have my coffee, bye, even if you're at the dining room table. That ritual is really important because it also takes away blurriness, anxiety, confusion. So start routine, end routine. In my home, at 4.30 p.m., it's end of the day. End of the day because that's the first end of the day. And we take a walk every day at 4.30 p.m., period. It's the only way I can disconnect from my computer. I was, I am I was so just going to confess, like, I am doing a terrible job at this one. Terrible, terrible job. And Okay. That's yeah, okay. Keep your, uh, this is giving me hope. <laughs> that's okay. That That's okay if you're doing a terrible job right now because, of course, of <laughs> course, we're in an unprecedented time. Yeah. Give yourself some grace and some self-compassion. You're not doing a horrible job. You're surviving. Yeah. That's and, the truth. Yeah, and I think it's just this, like, I'm aware of it, but there's not enough space to change. Is That's the story that I'm telling myself. And um, as someone who is, like, I do a lot of remote work mostly because I'm on the road, so a lot of phone and, and in a world where I am maniacal about carving out my own space in the morning, uh, historically, it seems like even that fundamental has gone out the window and I roll out a bend into my laptop because... You know, this Creative Live TV, for example, didn't exist uh, 10 days ago. And now we're doing 24-7 live broadcasts from all over the world every day for now and evermore. It's been a lot of work. And, uh, like, I am I have taken uh, the space that I used to have for myself, and I've blown it out all over the dining room table. The, my mind, I've got, you know, notes. in, and the I'm, like, literally writing stuff down as I'm brushing my teeth when I'm going to bed and... and um, I don't have a start or end um, ritual, and thank, it's crushing me. Thank, thank you for sharing that, because that is exactly I think, the experience we're all having. And, and it's panic, right? If you've lost your job or you're really scared, we're scared in our business. I had all of my speaking events cancel for the entire year. We had to cancel our first live event, refunded everyone. That was income we did not expect to have to lose. All of our traffic is down because we talk a lot about networking and going to conferences. And guess what people aren't doing right now? Yeah. They're not networking and they're not going to conferences. And so what happens is I have what was happening before I had a routine is my, my laptop was never closed. I, just like you just said, I was writing down notes as I brushed my teeth, right? Like I and, and by the way, I am working nights and weekends right now, but I know that structured time is there. And so it's like I do a walk with my family every day at 4.30, every day, no matter what. And I have that separation until my daughter goes to bed. My daughter goes to bed at 7.35. I sing her tomorrow from Annie. And after that is done, it's back to the computer. And I have two hours of work from 7.30 to 9.30. And then I have a shutdown routine. Adding that in made me feel less scared, less worried, and made me feel like, you know, my night work is special work. I do different kinds of work. I do all my students' success at night, and I actually look forward to it. And so adding that in has really helped add structure. Oh. Here's notes. I'm just <laughs> confessing. Um, and, and as a person who knows that there's value there and hasn't, has, has been telling myself the story that there's not enough space to create the the system. Um, I think if I just set the ball down for a second and created the system, I'd probably be on a better path in 24 hours. So this is my commitment to you, friend, and to all you out there on the internet that I'm going to get my SHIT together tomorrow. Tomorrow's my day. I'm going to start and stop. Um, doesn't help being on a broadcast for 12 hours straight today, but um, I'll figure it out. Starting tomorrow. This is my, this is like, sounds like the addict, right? I'll start tomorrow. I'm going to kick that habit tomorrow. Um, tomorrow, you better text me, Chase. You I better All text right. me. You've done it. Here, Siri, set an alarm for 10 a.m. tomorrow to call Vanessa. I'll be ready. I set your call Vanessa alarm for 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. I'm free tomorrow. I'll awesome. talk to you then. I will call you at 10. And, I, I mean, I, I don't know how long I, I promised 
uh, to uh, to I don't know capture you here on this screen and and um, beg you to share all of your wisdom with our audience. But I think I'm over time, and I'm just I wanted to say thank you so much. Um, I know a lot of this research is emerging rapidly, and you are always someone that we at Creative Live can count on. My community knows you well and respects and trusts all your work. Um, I think so highly of you, the team at, this, at Science of People, um, your classes on Creative Live uh, around people skills and happiness are always ones that I recommend. Um, and your book, Captivate, back there on your, behind your right shoulder or on your left there, you're right there, um, is a hit. If you are in, uh, like me, and find yourself in a weird time right now, um, your work is just a beacon of light. So I wanted to acknowledge that and say thank you so much um, for for being willing to come on Creative Live TV this earliest, earliest uh, couple of episodes here. So thank you so much. Tell us a little bit more about where to find you on the internet so we can, of course, I, I shared your classes a couple of times here on Creative Live, but what else, where else would you steer us one more time? Yeah, scienceofpeople.com is where everything is. I'm trying really hard to every video on YouTube that's going up, every article that's going on the blog is hopefully super relevant for right now. Um, so any suggestions you have for me, we're happy to take them. Literally, my team is amazing working around the clock on that. Uh, Captivate is wherever books are sold. Actually, that's been wonderful because um, uh, we actually have things that you can do in there virtually. So if you want to read it with someone, I would be so grateful for the read. And um, I just want to thank you so much for having me on. Creative Live is such a dear friend of mine. So are you. And hopefully we can do more of these. If people have questions, I'm always happy to come back on and answer. Amazing. Say hi to Scott and uh, your lovely hi. family. And we're grateful that you could take the time out of your, your busy day when you're saving the world and your business to uh, help be a part of ours and our community always always grateful thank you so much and are you still in austin right now is that where you were are you in austin, I am. Texas? i'm okay. in austin texas okay cool i, I knew you Come were visit. i was like i'm pretty sure i think the, the the transition happened the last time we talked i think Come you were in process awesome Come visit. <laughs> thank you so much i really Thanks, appreciate everyone. you have a great night thank you again Hey, that was an awesome episode. But before you bounce, just I got three quick thoughts. First, thank you for being in this community. It gives me so much juice. I can't even tell you so much juice that when I hit publish and this show goes out into the ether, that there's an amazing community of like-minded people just like you consuming and sharing the show. So thank you. Second, it would be huge. It would mean the world to me if you left a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Now, we're regularly featured at the top slot there on Apple's podcast page and others in Spotify, etc. And that's because of your reviews. So if you've ever wanted to uh, lend a hand or you got some value from me in the past and you want to pay it forward, that would be amazing. And then lastly, it would also mean the world to me if you shared the content that you get here whether it's a screenshot or a photo of where you're listening, anything via Instagram stories um, or any other social feeds, tagging me and the guests. Now, I repost this content and your comments all the time, so I would love to share your shoutouts in my feed too. Um, not only do these shoutouts, uh, are, are they good for you and me, but they also help us book amazing guests because they see the reach that you cultivate. This is a way for you to help contribute to the show. So again, I want to say thanks. I'm just at Chase Jarvis. You can use at Creative Live as well. And the guests are easy to track down because they are, well, they're usually quite well-known people. Um, but again, thank you so much for listening. I'm looking forward to being in your ears again, hopefully tomorrow.